if you hold it like a piece of pizza and <laughs> yeah uh-huh and about like about like three to six inches from your face and at a 45 degree angle exactly as you're doing right now okay. it gets the best audio that way just like the stream of air produced by your by your fricatives and plosives doesn't pop in the microphone like all pissy and poopy and how you like them the lady with the paper hat asked me as she poured a little more coffee into my cup as that you say i said as a sad smile spread across her face and i looked up she said i take you to be a soft-boiled man i don't understand i reluctantly confessed But you gotta know I'm gonna have to break a couple of things to make your breakfast Just glad to see a blue morning and a yellow egg At the break of a day But you gotta break them before you make them That's what they say But you gotta break them before you make them That's what they say I've started. Good. Well, you're on How Do You Like Your Eggs, the show for people who... I always get this wrong. The show for people who love to eat by people who live to cook. Except it's not Jake and Anna who normally host the show. It's me, Asher, by myself with my guest, Lacey Hundies, right? <laughs> well, yes, that's my uh, my Instagram handle, but my my last name is Ellenwood. Ellenwood. Yeah. Lacey Ellenwood. Yes, very normal sounding. The like, oldest broad ever to be in a punk band. <laughs> I, I think that's self-proclaimed. I'm sure there's older um, individuals out there, but I feel that way sometimes. Mike Watt is pretty old, right? Yeah. He's kind of like the king of punk, though. Do you agree with that? Or no? <sighs> I guess. I'm not, a, like, I'm not a punk aficionado. I hope we I don't mean, get into... Ne- neither am I. <laughs> Neither am I. I'm an expert on literally nothing, <laughs> especially interviewing, which is what I'm doing right now. And I'm sort of cutting my teeth still. You're my uh, let's see, fourth interview of my life. Wow. Yeah. Internet connection seems to suck. Funny that you said that uh, you're not like a, a master of something. I'm I'm a librarian. That's what I do by day. And it's literally my job to know a little bit about a lot That's of good, things <laughs> to, to, to know a little about a lot but sometimes it makes you speak from authority and then people believe that you know everything and it's like no i i only know like just just <laughs> just, just enough to sound like i know what i'm talking about you i guess a, a part of your like, job is oh, telling this people- is what you want to know about mm-hmm Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, our first question is, um, how do you like your eggs? And the reason that we would ask that question is because then I'd, or Jake, or Jake rather, would go and prepare your eggs for you the way that you like them. But since Dang. that's... I know. <laughs> that's impossible right now. So we're not... So I guess that... Well, how do you like your eggs? <laughs> um, I've learned to appreciate... I like a fried egg. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I like an over medium egg, which is very difficult to order in a restaurant. So I just get over easy. Yeah. Interesting. Over easy is my favorite. Most people do seem to prefer over medium based on like what I've learned from <laughs> running this, uh, running this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they do like, mo- yeah, most people just kind of go for an over medium fried egg. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, it's a solid choice. I'm not knocking it. <laughs> it's not too runny, uh-huh. <laughs> but very difficult to execute. So, right. Yeah, that we had one guest early on who um, was an ex chef who was just like, I I always just yeah I'm my not like over hard I'm not I don't a, wanna, like put any stress on the kitchen. I'm not a dick when I go to a restaurant for the most part. Like you really have to have made a big error for me to be remotely upset about being at a restaurant. But I feel like most people that have ever worked in the food service industry are like yeah. that. Yeah, they're uh, absolutely the most. Um, sensitive and appreciative and appreciated of customers <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it took a it took a while well one i was a server and a bartender for a while and then i dated a lot of people in the service industry so you kind of just you learn your manners real quick mm-hmm. i bet when you're in a punk band you do date a, you'd probably do screw a lot of waiters or bartenders <laughs> Bar- bartenders <laughs> <laughs> yeah well who's around at like 2 30 3 in the morning (laughs) exactly (laughs) the only person left at the venue the the bartender (laughs) (laughs) gotta have sex with somebody i guess i never really (laughs) was that lucky in that Mm. department I'm a I'm a great person to talk to, but maybe I'm not usually the choice to go home with, which is fine. <laughs> I, I I mentioned in an earlier interview uh, that I initially um, got my or, or b- began to pursue my music degree because I assumed that guitar players got more pussy than like. <laughs> That, that's think- how I that's how I started playing bass is I was I'm a classically trained tuba player. There's there's actually a tuba sitting right over here. I'm nice. trying to get, I'm trying to get back into it, but I was so I was classically trained playing a lot of tuba and it was like I'm never going to get laid being tuba chick. I mm. better pick up, better pick up a bass guitar. <laughs> I know I don't think I really ever got laid that often because I was playing the guitar either. Uh, you have a tuba right there. Can you play it? for us oh no it's i need to repair it like i'm waiting for a couple of like parts to come in the mail but i finally was like i'm gonna just start playing this and run it through like a chorus pedal and yeah. let's see what happens <laughs> yeah that's what's I'm up. like i just have to convince the rest of my band that maybe we need some background tuba sounds on our next record i think that sounds great run it through a big muff tell me how that works out uh, so I have this big muff pedal and JD, the guitarist in my band kicking, he thinks it's the best sounding big muff in the world. Like he's like none other, no other ba- big muff pedal that I've bought sounds like it. He's bought a couple. Um, it's a 90s era Russian soft tech. And I'm con- uh. I'm convinced it's because um, my family dog at the time that I bought it, Cheyenne, she was an Alaska Malamute. She pissed on it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it's super crunchy because she mm-hmm. pissed on it. And that's why it doesn't sound like anybody else's Big Muffin. It's the only piece of equipment that 
I kept when I first started playing music and was doing a lot of like hardcore stuff and and that was up in Buffalo and I sold off all my gear when I went to library school because I was like I'm gonna be a librarian Mm -hmm. can't be in a hardcore band anymore be an adult Lacey take your facial piercings out (laughs) Um, (laughs) which was ridiculous and anyway so I sold off everything except that big muff pedal and so it's the only thing that I've had the entire time I've ever played music. I feel like most librarians have facial piercings and tattoos these days, though. <laughs> yeah, it's like, kind of par for the course. Right. Um, I, I used to also have a 90s era Russian Big Muff, mm-hmm. uh, which I loved. It was my favorite pedal I've ever had, by far. And I, I liked it also because I thought it sounded just like so much different than like all the big muffs that are on the shelves. You you know what I mean? And I don't know if it's true or not, but I have heard before that a lot of early electro harmonics products, tubes, all kinds of things are like just really unpredictable. And that's kind of what made them desirable. Everybody's pedals kind of can sound different. And so that could be part of it, but I attribute it to the, to the dog piss. I also have a really great 90s era small stone electro harmonics pedal that I'm just like, I'm in love with. And I'll throw that on with my big muff. And it just gives me like this super crunchy, big dick, shoegazy kind of energy when I play it. Uh, it's it's kind of my sound of choice with um with my band kicking. But I'm glad to hear that you feel the same way about the old <laughs> I love the 90s era stuff. I also have a Baseballs, which is like a super weird, um, another 90s era electroharmonics pedal that I'm going to put back on my pedal board. I, I think I need to buy a bigger board. Like right now I have eight <laughs> eight pedals on it. And for a bass player, that's like so ridiculous. But I'm like, I think I need 12 because I just bought a new, I just bought a new fuzz pedal and I just bought um, a Boss bass synthesizer pedal Mm -hmm. so i really want to like mess around with that and see what that sounds like because we don't have a synth player in our band but we really love that kind of synth sound so i'm wondering if i can do anything with that so does it does it like do no idea what it does yet um, i bought it like i'm a i'm a reverb addict sometimes and like now that we've been home with covid like like let me see what's in my watch list and then I'll see this pedal that I want that's a great price. And I'm like, I'm just going to buy it. Let's just do it. So I don't even know what it does yet. I, I bought it maybe a week and a half ago. And well, I speaking really of the apocalypse, to um, you, <laughs> you said your band was uh, you said your band was social distancing, but you're living in Hattiesburg. Currently. No, I, li- I live in Jackson. Jackson. Sorry. Sorry. That's I, that's what I meant. I, it's OK. A lot uh, of the punk, a lot of the punk music <coughs> in Mississippi comes from Hattiesburg a lot mm-hmm. of it does so that's a easy mistake to make so y'all y'all aren't playing out at all is any are Can, any bars open um everybody that i know kind of is still social distancing and they're doing like live sets on the interwebs but nobody's really playing out anywhere in jackson yet um our guitar player actually um him and his wife, they had a baby during during quarantine. So oh, man. um he's been at yeah, he's been at home with his wife and his baby. So um but we kinda knew that that obviously we kinda knew he was having a baby. So we were gonna be taking a little bit of a <laughs> be weird if it um, was a complete surprise. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh God, there's a baby. Um no, so we we knew we were going to be taking kind of like a break from touring and playing a lot and maybe doing more focusing on writing the next record and stuff like that. So 
the quarantine and COVID kind of coincided with a break that we already were planning on. That's convenient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, very privi- you're very privileged in that way, I guess. I if mean, it, if it had been last year at this time, this time last year, we were just starting to make our first, you know, big record. And that would have been a big bummer to like have to social distance and not be able to, to make that record. Mm-hmm. That would have been that would have been a bummer. Yeah, indeed. Imagine imagine all the people who are doing that right now, sitting disappointed on stacks of records that they can't even sell. Well, we were supposed to play kind of a bigger show here in Jackson that was still kind of coming together, but then the the touring band that was coming in, they had to cancel all their shows, so that show ended up not happening and hopefully they'll rebook, but I don't know when that'll happen. Right. So, are you getting um are you getting increased business as a librarian? Thanks to this. <laughs> well, uh, so I'm currently working from home as a librarian, but a lot of libraries across the state are just trying to figure out what library service looks like. And a lot of it's going to most likely be like curbside coming and picking things up. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of programming moving to the virtual world, whether it's through Zoom meetings or YouTube webinars and things like that. I think and this will be across the country, I think it will change how public libraries do business moving forward. Um, I know that everybody wants things to go back to normal, um, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to open up a new way for people to see what their public library is and, and what their public library did for them while they were stuck at home needing yeah. needing ebook access and um, tools to help homeschool their kids and stuff like that. Yeah, I suspect that almost everyone in any kind of service profession is thinking the same thing. Like, there's a, there's obviously going to be yeah, a new for sure. normal now. There's going to be a oh, post, yeah. post-COVID world that we're yeah. walking back into when we finally do walk back into it. It, it does. It does. And, it you know, I, I sympathize with all of my uh, friends that still work in service industry because I understand wanting to go back to work. Like, I need, I need to go back to work. Like... It's not a matter. It's not a matter. Uh, Yeah, they don't have insurance. They they were living paycheck to paycheck. They Mm -hmm. they live in an area where the tourist industry is massive to their income. Like those kinds of places, I really worry about. Where like are people going to stop traveling? And for all of you know, where there's a festival and that's a big part of their money. You know, I thought you know Austin, for instance, when South Mm -hmm. by Southwest got canceled. there were a lot of bands that I knew that were going and I felt really bad for them because I know they sunk a lot of money to like make a tour happen to get there only to like halfway through tour be like, nobody's coming out to shows because there's this thing starting to crop up. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. New Orleans also like they basically canceled every festival for the next year and a half or whatever. Yeah. uh, Just, I guess it's probably worth mentioning right now that we met in Prague. While we were I, both studying abroad in 2005. <laughs> of date of dates. To bring it back to another apocalypse. The, uh, oh, gosh, yeah. Which was my first trip ever to New Orleans was mm-hmm. that, that trip, that first Mardi Gras after Katrina where you guys were staying in a FEMA trailer in front of... Yes. I, it was, oh. it, oh, whose house was it? Your it dad's house? It was my dad's house. house. Uh-huh. Okay, and the Mennonites were like working on it. And so uh-huh. we, could, we could shower in the house, but like everybody was quote unquote sleeping in the in the trailer. But right. <laughs> I, I don't think a lot of sleeping happened. No. 
Most, there, were, mo- there was like seven of us and a dog staying in this yeah. trailer. Yeah, we were. And we were, and mostly we were not sleeping. We were partying and then like mm-hmm. drinking coffee that we cooked on a fire in the backyard. Yeah. Which we started with um, discarded housing. Like, <laughs> so like pressure treated. Like. <laughs> yeah. And yet we're all still here. Well, you know, I've got this cough. I've probably had it since 2000. <laughs> so who knows? Um, so, uh, yeah, that's great. What was mm-hmm. you, you um, mentioned in your texts to me your last yeah. visit to New Orleans? Was that the same yeah. one? Was that the 2000, the Mardi Gras 2006 visit? I'm well, no, no, no. I mean, I've been there with like my bands and like on trips afterwards, but that was my first time ever going to New Orleans. Was that that first Mardi Gras after Katrina to meet up with all of you guys and just have a good time? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, uh, I w- the last time I was in New Orleans was with my band Kicking, and we were playing a show at the Circle Bar. And I got really excited halfway through, like, our drive down there because this band that I love um, from Philadelphia called Nothing, they were playing that night Mm -hmm. as well. And I was like, okay, guys, we have to figure out what time are we going to get out of here. I want to go see this band Nothing. Let's try and make this happen. Um, Needless to say, what ended up happening is I... At one point, I did take a bottle of Jameson from some homeless man on the street and proceeded to to just start drinking it. And then, like, I was high-fiving all of the uh, light posts, lampposts, and my friends were like, don't do that. And I was like, I'm doing it. And I, like, would just – I had to hit every single one, and I passed out in a bush. I lost my phone. And then we had to play a show the next day, and I'm pretty sure I had alcohol poisoning. It it was a lot of fun, and I always love New Orleans. But it's a there's, great but town. There's, that's that's but there's pretty. A, there's a reason I don't think I should ever live there. Well, that's I mean that's not necessarily par for the course for the residents of the place, but no, no, no. You guys are all professional people, right? We. <laughs> You guys know how to handle your shit. I'm like, I'm like, woohoo! I'm gonna go play a show in New Orleans. Oh my, one of my favorite bands is playing. Let's try and meet up. I'm gonna drink a lot of Irish whiskey. This is a good idea. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not a bad idea. Well, it's, no, a bad idea was when in, I was in my early twenties and I wanted to get my straight edge tattoo friend to tattoo Jameson inside my lower lip. So every time I went to a bar, if I was too drunk to order, I could just go like that um, and order Jameson. And I was like, I'll get a free shot at every bar if I have it tattooed inside my lower lip. Um, needless to say, he refused to do that. Thank you, oh. Eric. Fo- Thank you, Eric Foster. I'm going to shout you out. Um, I was about to <laughs> ask if you still had it. No, no, no. I never, I, I, I never got it, but... Um, I, I almost did. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the the inside of the lip tattoo would would fade very quickly. But... It's hit or, it's hit or miss. I've known I've got friends that got tattooed like straight edge tattooed inside their lower lip when they were like twenty one. Uh-huh. They're not straight edge anymore, but that tattoo still looks <laughs> great inside their lower lip, and I'm just like, man. Tony, Tony, if you ever knew how your life was going to turn out, you probably wouldn't have gotten that straight right. edge tattoo. Inside your lower lip, <laughs> but it's right. fine. It's a story now, and yeah, 
Whatever. Probably his tissue was is stronger because of that time spent. Yeah, straight. yeah, yeah, yeah. It probably really got to like set into that skin. He <laughs> didn't like go out right afterwards and start doing like right. Just drink it right off. Oh, basically, God. you know, burn it off. I'm sure it's still the case, but like Jaeger <clears throat> bombs, I, I still can't smell them. Like if I go to a bar and people start ordering Jaeger bombs, it's just like I have like PTSD. I get these flashbacks of this terrible smell of being a bartender and just pouring so so you. many Jaeger bombs. I hate Red. In bu- I hate in Red bu- Bull. Vodka Red Bull too. Ugh. And. In Buffalo, huh? Yeah, in Buffalo. In, well, that and, yeah, you do a lot of Irish car bombs. Uh, all my friends are, are crazy that are in Buffalo. Mm. I feel like I could have handled New Orleans, but no, not, a, not as an adult. Maybe if I had moved there in my early 20s or something. Yeah, you got you to gotta build up like a carapace to yeah, live in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, you're, you're working from home. Living in Jackson. Yes. I'm, I'm like, I guess uh, <laughs> the part of, part, part of the problem of like sort of uh, of doing interviews with people that you're just sort of like friends with is that like right now I sort of want to just like, when's the last time you talked to Ari or Cree or like. It's we could talk about the fact that when I think about that point in time, it was such a small period of time like in my life. And I think everybody has these moments where like there's this period and then it changes you forever. And, and going to Prague and studying abroad that year really did kind of like change and shift where I focused my mind educationally. I started getting really into like film and stuff like that after that um, trip and ended up doing graduate coursework in that and making that a focus um because of that trip i still talk to a lot of the people that i still met there it's bananas but when you think about it like in the context of your life it's such a just a drop in the bucket really but it was but and such an impactful drop Mm -hmm. but i feel like a lot of people can relate to maybe that's what this whole covid thing will be for some people really kind of shift their brain about what they should be doing with their lives, what's important to them. Maybe that's really philosophical and bougie of me to kind of say. <laughs> no, that's that's fine. Um I hope that uh I was just trying to tie it... it back to something like constructive for you. We don't have to talk no. about that at all. We could we could shoot this <sighs> shit. I don't really care. No, I really appreciate that because my interviewer <laughs> skills are weak. I've been depending on my guests mostly to carry the interviews so far. Okay. Uh, so it's really good that you did that, and you did it very deftly, I might add. Um, yeah, we uh, we hope hopefully a lot of uh, ho- hopefully a lot of good comes from this. I've been trying to maintain like an ad- an attitude of positivity in a lot of ways. Like I can see how it. At, I mean, tons of people are dying. That's terrible, and like. You know, it's it's being largely mishandled, and that's also terrible. But also know that, like, I'm in a really good spot, and a lot of people, i.e., I. like, safely under my mother's roof and right. like, engaged in things like this, and a lot of people are are not there at all. Like, a lot of people are desperately in need of <coughs> There's a lot well, of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, of normalcy. Yeah, there's people that are lacking access to resources. Um and whatever you think those resources are, whether it's, you know, access to healthcare, access to be able, like me, 
be able to work safely from home and still be paid. You're right, it'll shine a lot of, it'll show all the holes that we have. And maybe we can start to fix and fill those holes. And like I said, maybe a mind shift the, to, I don't think it will, but you know, we're being optimists, I think, in this conversation, right? That's what <laughs> well, for the for, for the moment, and that's fine. I'm, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm all I'm all about doom and gloom when it comes to us. If there's anything we like here at How Do You Like Your Eggs, it's filling holes. Am I right, eggheads? That's why I'm asking you to fill this big old hole in our show with a word from a sponsor. Just contact us at louder at cicadaradio.com to fill our hole with your words as sponsors. But since we don't have any sponsor words sitting around the studio, consider this. For as little as a dollar a month, any of you could help support the production of this show really bigly. I mean, bigly. I mean, put the light inside you with a syringe. Look into that. But immediately become a patron at patreon.com slash cicada radio. Here's Lacey. Perf. Okay. Great. Then I'm going to ask you questions three, which we're using to cap off the podcast with, uh, which we have since the beginning. Okay. okay. Um, the first one is, uh, what's your favorite place to eat in New Orleans, usually? <gasps> that doesn't matter so much right now. You've probably eaten a lot of places in New Orleans, though. What do you, what's, what's your, um, what's your, when, what's your well, thing? Well, let's see. So every time, every time I go down and play with my band we go to Juan's Flying Burrito. It's like a Ooh. must. Right. Juan's Juan's catches like a whole lot of shade because people are like people love to say there's no good Mexican food in New Orleans like ever all the Mexican restaurants are garbage and I mean that's it's not I don't think that's exactly fair because on the one hand they'll cite a place like Juan's, well, maybe this is the only point I should make regarding <laughs> this right now. The the one place that they'll cite is like Juan's. It's like, that's not, that's shitty Mexican food. And I'm like, it's not even really Mexican food. It's like Tex-Mex food. And so it's American food that is admittedly inspired by Mexican food. But you know what I mean? It's not like, that's not Mexican food. It's just like Juan's and it's good. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, when, when we're rolling in there with all of us having a hangover and we want to just like pound the carbs and cheese into our face and get in the van and take some stuff to go. It's like the best. Um, yeah. So it's easy. It's I'm not trying to get fancy with my Tex-Mex that often. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I, I like Wands. I go to Wands often. Their margaritas are also like really stellar. It's cheap. It's good. It's, Tex-Mex. This, it's what you. I've never had a mean need. server there. Like no server's ever been like mean or shady. Like I have had the food take a, like a little while sometimes, but it's not like my servers have always been great at Wands. Sure. So and they get they get crowded. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah, hell yeah. All right. So question two is uh, if you could offer your younger self any advice, what do you think it would be? Um. Oh God. That's really hard. Sometimes it is. Yeah. I mean, I have a really superficial answer. It it, it would it would have been to take German in college. Like I didn't German. I didn't take two foreign languages when I went to college and I probably should have for the career I was trying to go into, but um yeah. No, I don't yeah, that's about it. Advice I would have given myself. I probably would have learned to drive a stick shift. 
That would have come in handy. Well, driving a driving a stick is handy, um, even though I don't think since my very first car I've even ever driven a sh- stick shift. Like ever, I like but, I like old cars, like muscle cars and things yeah. like that. And I can always find like better deals if I drove if it was a manual. So that, that's really like a selfish thing. I'm like, <laughs> I should have learned to drive a, a stick shift. Get cheaper cars that way, I guess. Well, why, uh, why is why would German have come in handy for you? So, um, I have an undergraduate degree in art history, and when I went on to graduate school, um, and I went to library school. They really would like, if you want to work in an academic library, you need to speak a foreign language. And I was getting turned down for jobs because I didn't speak more than one foreign language. Um, So it was just kind of like a skill thing that I wish I had done for my career later in life. I didn't even, they require, they they want you to have two foreign languages under your belt to be a librarian. So I had an interview one time with the University of Utah to be their art and architecture librarian. And um, at the time I was working on a second master's degree and things like that. And I have an art, like I said, an art history background. Um, And I obviously didn't get the job. And then they said I could call and ask them why. And when I called and I asked them, you know, what could I have done to have been a better applicant? They were like the person that, you know, we ended up hiring had two foreign languages, had a secondary master's degree and massive Photoshop experience. And I was like, okay, so a lot of things that you didn't ask for (laughs) in your qualifications. So yeah, no, a lot of academic librarians, um, at major research universities, they have two master's degrees. They have a master's in library science and then usually a subject master's, which is what I was working on before I got my job in Mississippi. The art history, huh? Well, it was um, a, a master's in humanities, and it was a focus in uh, film theory and art history. Oh, nice. You going to finish it? You don't have to. I guess I did, you got a I job did, already. I did. I did all the coursework. I just and I. I just never finished my thesis. I've actually presented um, a chapter or two of my thesis at a national conference before, but no, it's too much time has gone by now. So it's just one of those I know, things. I know what you mean. School. School is so much harder after you've already gone to school. It just gets like it's just for some reason so grueling. Even though you'd think it would be easier. Um. What was your thesis on? Um, it was uh, surrealism and the female gaze in the films of Sofia Coppola and in the photographs of Francesca Woodman. So, um, yeah, female gaze theory wasn't really a thing when I started writing about it, or at least there wasn't. Not that it, not that I made it up, but there just wasn't a lot of it out there in the language. And now that's you know eight years later it's now this big thing in all of the language and i'm sure my thesis advisor wouldn't say that that wasn't a good idea now based on you know hindsight and everything but um so no it was on female gaze in in some photographs and wow the films interesting yeah so your 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 professor did think that uh focusing on female gaze back it back at the time was probably futile yeah she didn't think that there was a lot there to work with and maybe at the Mm. time there wasn't as much scholarly material available but um i mean a lot of the things that i was talking about uh with female gaze are very much now prevalent in the discussion and all of that mess 
Right. Dang, all we've been talking about is like guitar pedals and <laughs> bullshit the whole time. We could have been talking about something important. Oh, gosh. I would have, oh. <laughs> I would have had to have like prepared more for that. So I would have been like, oh, God, I should reread my thesis. Make sure I'm making all the right quotes and all that stuff. So question three is uh, I've, I've recently added it to the roster of questions. It's um, it's your best maggot story. Story about oh. maggots. Oh God, let me think. Like in food, like in food? It, where wherever just... you find them. My grandpa's story was about a beaver. Okay, did he found? Well, okay, so I it's not a maggot story, but it's a moth story. So I had like this beautiful vintage like sheepskin that I got, and it was sitting in this room and. I came in and I'm not really in this room that often. It's our, it's my third bedroom and I just keep the dogs out of it. It's just a storage room. Anyway, so I came in and there were like all these moths flying around. And then I go to the bag that the lamb uh, skin is in and I open it up and like all these moths come out of it. And I like take it out and I start sh- like sh- I take it outside. And I start shaking it and like all of the lamb stuff is flying off of it. Like the bugs had like gone in and like eaten the holes into this sheepskin rug that I had and there were like a butt ton of moths in my in my third bedroom that I'm like trying to kill and stuff like oh, that. Oh no. Um but that's not a did maggot they... story. I don't really Ugh. Did they eat your clothes? Well I so I had mothballs in my closet because I have a lot of vintage clothes and so I ha- had them in there but I for some reason didn't think that they would like mess with this like old sheepskin mm-hmm. that I had gotten. So I feel really bad because now it's got a bunch of holes in it and <laughs> Right. Are you still it using it though? Well, it's outside still. I haven't brought it back into the house. I got to <laughs> determine how to like. I don't want to bring it back in or anything like that. And maybe like but. hold the top of the bag closed and like squirt it full of raid or something. Yeah, like I, I, <laughs> I threw some more mothballs in this room. It doesn't smell too chemically in here anymore, but it it did like a week ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, dope, Lacey. It was fun hanging out with you. Yeah, you should start doing and, your own podcast and then... Well, I am for now, I guess. Well, yeah. Nobody's pulling but the maybe... wool over your <laughs> eyes out we... this way, eggheads. That's all she wrote. I'm Melanie Asher Griffith's mom. He's the only person at work around here, but for a good reason. He's got very bad gas. And thanks to our Patreon supporters for helping out with that. The show, I mean, not the gas. That was Lacey Ellenwood, lead bass slapper in Kicking in the Glitter Critters and Human Information Finder. Please wash your disgusting hands and tune in on Thursday for a brand new episode of How Do You Like Your Eggs? Just glad to see blue on yellow egg at the break of a day. But you gotta break them before you make them. But you gotta break them before you make them That's what they say You gotta break them before you make them That's what they say This is Cicada Radio. Sing, love, die.